Hello, and welcome to Next Generation Behavioral Health. 10-minute tips for modernizing patient care. I'm Dr. Christina Armstrong. And I'm Dr. Julie Kinn. In the show, we review the latest technology to support mental health. What are we talking about this week, Christy? In our trainings, we get a lot of questions about data and apps. And so today, we're going to break it down to help everybody out there understand how the data works in the apps, and then also so they can inform patients about the health data. So we're going to start with talking about two different kinds of data. One is usage data that's automatically collected from mobile apps and websites. For example, if you open up a publicly available private sector app, click around a few times and then close it, most app will track how long you had the app open and what buttons you clicked. And they don't track it to the individual. They aggregate this to help them improve the app. The other kind of data is data an individual is choosing to enter on a mobile app or website. For example, like a mood rating or uploading a picture of yourself for your avatar. And this kind of data is where things can get a little bit trickier because we don't usually think of this as risky, right? But when you put a lot of these bits of data together, if they're being collected about you, it can start to identify you and potentially give hackers some not so great ammunition. That's right, especially if we're talking about health information being put in these apps as well. And so before we continue on to talk about a couple different other types of data that are collected, let us just mention here that type of data is not collected in the mobile health applications developed by the Department of Defense or Department of Veterans Affairs. So for example, if you were to put a picture or something in one of our apps, we can't see that. We don't know what's in there. Right, exactly. We don't collect either of those kinds of data. So there's some pluses and minuses here. So on one hand, all that data from the app is not stored somewhere on like a cloud-based server. The great thing about that is then that data can't be hacked. Like that cloud-based server cannot be hacked because we don't have it. It doesn't exist. That's not how we're maintaining the data. However, the negative side of that is if you were to delete a DOD or VA app, then that data is gone. Yeah. With increased convenience of data, uh, having data everywhere, accessible anytime, it does leave your data more open to some security and privacy risks there. Right. And sometimes those risks make sense. I personally, although I love our DOD and VA apps, I also have an app for my bank and uh-huh. and some social media apps. These aren't DOD VA apps. And I, I allow some amount of risk because I trust the sources that they come from. And so especially since we know everyone's not just using our apps, we wanted to give you this information for when you're reviewing private sector apps. The data on your apps can be protected, and they usually are. It's not like they're just being sent out directly to hackers. Let's say you enter your weightlifting schedule and you save it on the phone itself. That's called data at rest. That's just data that that lives on the device, and it can be encrypted and saved there, especially if you add a password protection. Now, data in transit is when you're actually sending the data from your device. Your weightlifting record is getting sent up to a server so that you could download it later or view it online. 
that can also be encrypted. So there are security protections here that reliable app makers are going to be using. The DODVA apps are encrypted, but you can also put a firewall that protects everything on your phone, just another layer of protection for the data on your phone as well. Unfortunately, these apps and websites don't give you warning labels telling you how they encrypt their data data at rest on the device or the data in transit, the data that's getting sent up and back, because that's kind of an invitation to hackers. Just like you wouldn't say, hey, this is the password to my combination. Please don't use it. But there are additional tips that you could use to help you protect your data. Right. Yeah. The first one is only download apps or access websites that are from a trusted source. That's one of the easiest ways you can protect your data. So let's say I download an app from some kind of shady looking unknown place, (laughs) right? And uh, the potential there is now, depending on the permissions that I agreed to when I installed that app, that app could have access to a lot of different things in my phone. And if it's not a trusted source, that could really put a lot of other pieces of information from your phone at risk. Absolutely. Trusted source. That's on our agenda that Christy and I are looking at. That one's in bold because it's so important. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. The next one, is as you download an app, the app should say what types of permissions it's going to ask for. So for example, if I'm going to download a social media app, it's going to be pretty likely that it's going to ask permission to access my my camera, right? So if I want to take take a picture and upload it to some kind of social media platform. So that makes sense, right? However, if I have some kind of other app that really has no reason to have access to like let's say my camera or my contacts or something like that. How about a bubble popping game? Yeah, yeah, bubble popping game. And so somehow it wants to access all of my contacts. You might want to be a little skeptical. In addition to the permission, sometimes the first time you use an app, it'll ask you what day you were born to make sure you're not a minor, for example. Then it might ask gender or sex so that it can, I don't know, track their consumers and market ads towards you. That can start to get a little sketchy. But then let's say it's an app for tracking pain management. If it asks whether you own or rent a home, for example, that would put up a red flag for me of, okay, this app really wants to know all about me and my financial status so it can sell it. That's where my brain goes. And so that's the kind of thing to be careful of because we just get so used to providing this kind of data, maybe not owning and renting a home, but it's kind of a foot in the door technique of start with the day you were born, then gender, and then before you know it, you might be sharing more information than you meant to. Right. And when it comes down to thinking about whether this is a trusted source or not, it's really important Mm -hmm. to be thinking about the motivation for the developers, whoever developed this app. How do they earn money for this app. I'm not saying everybody Mm -hmm. that has a for-profit app is is bad. That's certainly not the case. However, just be thoughtful about what's happening with that data and what might happen to it. Right. Not all data collected on you is necessarily bad, right? Mm -hmm. But it's still worthwhile to ask the questions, especially if the app isn't from a trusted source like the DOD or VA or the federal government. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, you know, a really good way to protect any of that information on your your phone in any of the apps is to invest in a well-rated antivirus or watchdog app to protect your mobile device and computers. 
Yeah, I love this. I I love my Watchdog app because it will tell me if one of my apps is running at a weird time. For example, if I download a bubble popping app and then I close it, that bubble popping app doesn't need to keep running. First of all, it's going to waste my battery. But second of all, that's another red flag. Why is it still running? Is it collecting usage data on other things I'm doing? Uh Uh, Apologies to everyone for making you question everything that's on your mobile devices, but (laughs) that's our job. (laughs) That's right. The thing is, we just have to be so careful. And that's part of why we feel so comfortable and confident about the products that we create is, you know, because we have to think through all these pieces. The security of your data is really important to us. And especially in a military setting, we really have Mm -hmm. to be careful about all this. Especially if you're going to be referring your patients to some of these resources. Mm -hmm. Well, we briefly dove into this topic today, but there are a lot of resources online. This area changes frequently. So Christy, I think we should probably come back with an update in future episodes down the road. What do you think? I would be happy to. And also, we do have a resource that is available for free out there for anybody who's interested that we go through a little more deeply about um, data security and privacy. And that's the Department of Defense mobile health practice guide. And you can just go on, we'll add a link to it in the show notes, but you can just Google DOD mobile health practice guide, and you can download a PDF of of that guide for free. And there's a whole chapter on data security and privacy and ways you can protect your privacy. And it's just a great book to have for a whole variety of reasons. So thank you for sharing Next Generation Behavioral Health on social media and subscribing, rating wherever you get podcasts. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Military Health, and you can listen to all the podcasts at health.mil slash podcasts. Next Generation Behavioral Health is produced by the Defense Health Agency. 